0: I claro. Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, pregnancy-focused chiropractor, Dr. Elliot Berlin. You've tuned into the after episode of a before and after birth story. My guest today is a fitness coach, a fitness app creator, as well as a mommy and wife. We have left off at the end of pregnancy, eagerly awaiting a birth experience that was going to be hopefully different than the first. Michelle Matura, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me back.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Your life
0: got even busier.
1: It got even busier and even better.
0: Ah, that's amazing. Okay, so as a little recap, you were planning this first birth experience a couple years back, and your goal was unmedicated, birth at the hospital vaginally. And then things kind of got weird when you got a pelvic exam by your OB. And right, and then maybe the water was broken, if I'm remembering this correctly.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they did the fetal monitoring.
0: And it all snowballed into a cesarean birth.
1: Yep, sounds about right.
0: And then you were pregnant again. And, you know, you talked about what was your goal for the second birth? Did you have a goal? What was your goal?
1: My goal was to have a peaceful, healthy delivery and a VBAC. That was just what I really wanted. Obviously, whatever I had to do to have the healthy baby and stay healthy, but I really wanted to have a successful VBAC and having a peaceful experience all around. So that's what I was shooting for. But because of my first experience that I had, I was really scared for the second one. I didn't want to go through all of the whole trauma of it all.
0: Uh, The trauma of things getting out of your control?
1: Yeah, like the loss of control, the unknowing. It was an unplanned C-section, so going into that, not really being as educated as I could have been, not being as confident in myself. And listening to doctors, because I was intimidated that they're doctors, they must know what's best, you know, and the chaos, like everyone would tell me, not everybody, there was just a lot of moms that would tell me that how beautiful their experience was. And I was like, I, how, <laughs> like, how, like, how is giving birth, not traumatic? I can't imagine relaxing while giving birth. Those two things don't go together. So.
0: I mean, cause. What you're saying doesn't always go together, right? Is a peaceful (laughs) birth that's also a vaginal birth after cesarean. Let's go back. Why was unmedicated a desire of yours?
1: Well, I don't know if I would use like unmedicated entirely. I just didn't want to be completely sedated. I didn't want to be to the point to where I was unable to hold my baby. I was unable to keep my eyes open which hindered me from connecting with the baby. And that was my main concern. Like right after my cesarean, they handed me midnight and they were like, okay, now it's time to nurse. And I was like, what? Like, I can't even keep my eyes open. Like, how am I supposed to hold this child and care for them? I can't care for myself right now. I was nodding out, like fully nodding out, just complete loss of control. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you didn't want a repeat no, of that,
1: No, but I, I was it. talking
0: about before that, when your plan for your first birth was a sort of a natural birth before it oh, yeah. cesarean, why was that something that was important to you?
1: I felt like it was important because I just wanted to see if I could do it. And I also am not big on pain meds. It's something that I just, for my personal preference, I don't judge anyone who does it. I don't have anything against it just for my personal preference. It was something that I felt I could do. And I wanted to try. I wanted to be as connected, grounded and clear headed as possible through the experience. And I just felt like I could, I feel like mentally and physically I was capable and that's why it was a goal of mine, but you know, plans change.
0: Uh, Did you weigh in terms of risk benefit? The two options, I mean, really, your options were repeat cesarean or going for the vaginal birth after cesarean. Did you find pros and cons in both of them?
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) I, I researched everything and I just was like, if you actually do the proper research and talk to educated sources and other doctors who advocate for it and other mothers who advocate for it and midwives and doulas, you've actually so many more pros for vaginal versus cesarean and just in recovery alone it blows my mind because so many people paint a picture of how scary a vaginal birth after a c-section is and the things that could happen are terrible and so You're almost told like, oh, once you have a C-section, you always have to have a C-section or, you know, even my own stepmom was trying to convince me how dangerous it was and how she knew someone who knew someone who knew a nurse that (laughs) said it's bad, you know? And I was like, well, I can't let fear drive the bus because if that's the case and I let fear drive anything in my life, especially something so incredibly intimate that has to do with my body and my experience and my baby, then, you know, I'm never going to be able to To be at peace in my body and in my mind. And that's what I really wanted. And so I dug and I searched and I helped put together the best team that I could and learn, especially learn and be open, open to my own faults, open to my fears and vulnerabilities. And that's what I did. I had to do the work.
0: I mean, is there a highlight or two of things that you learned about yourself and or about the process?
1: Yeah, actually with you, <laughs> you and my doula, Sarah Levon, like you guys are a dream. I can't imagine the experience being what it was without the two of you second time around. First of all, you have like the most healing hands. And you were able to help my mind and body connect by loosening my body. And then also reminding my mind, it's okay to let go. It's okay to trust. It's okay to trust the process, to trust you, to trust my body most importantly, and to trust like my body will know what's going to happen. And I think that is the most beneficial thing that i learned because during the whole process i just had to be like women did this for how many years before me <laughs>
2: you
0: know right
1: our bodies are designed for this and yes there can be complications and not every woman's body is designed for it but mine specifically has been blessed enough to be designed for it
0: and you're also really good to your body
1: i so, try <laughs> Well no
0: you're really good to your body and so usually when you take care of your body they return in kind
1: Mm -hmm. But it's my mind. My mind works for me or against me. And that was something I really learned about myself. Mm -hmm. It could be a superpower or it can cripple me. And to watch how powerful my mind is when it's working for me, like, wow, it's beautiful. It's, It's euphoric when the two connect, you know, together for you.
0: Wow. I mean, you're making me want to go see myself. Schedule a visit, but I can't get in with me. (laughs) All right, so let's take a break. When we come back, we'll find out how you got ready for your birth and then the rest of the story. (laughs) This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby, not even diaper rash. All right, welcome back, Michelle. So what are the things that, as you got closer, are there things that made you feel like, yes, this is going to work and I'm going to do it, or maybe this is a dumb idea? (laughs) Did you have ups and downs, or were you just focused on the prize the whole way through?
1: Um. I had ups and downs. I was like, my hips are going to be too tighter. This is too good to be true. I had my ups and downs, but I was stubborn. Oh, I switched doctors.
0: You did switch doctors. What I was that switched. about?
1: Um, we were in a fan. Once we did the tour of the hospital, actually, we were like, you know, we're not going to get the care that we want at this hospital. And I was, I think, like 32 weeks when I switched, right?
0: Yeah. Somewhere
1: were, around there. Third
0: trimester for sure. And... <laughs> And and here's the interesting thing about your switch. I wasn't sure. You know, some doctors are very, very pro VBAC. Some are really just not into it at all. And there's everything in between. I wasn't sure about your doctors. I was like, are you sure your doctor's really into VBAC? And then I remember you telling me, hey, I switched doctors. I'm like, oh, great. It must be one of the VBAC kings or queens. And you're like, yeah, it's this doctor. And I'm like, I don't even know if she does VBAC. (laughs) Back, you know i love her <laughs> she's amazing and everyone's good quality but i just didn't even know she was into back at all but that's not exactly why you switched to her i guess
1: no well it was a part of the reason actually yes i know that you had your reservations like oh, I that's you know i'm surprised but I had a reservations about my original doctor that I had thought I found that was going to agree with me. She kept using terms like we're going to do our best or don't hold on to the idea of this. You know, you just kind of preparing me for like, I was like, she's going to give me a C-section for yeah. sure. I feel like mentally preparing me to do whatever she wanted to do. Right. And I was looking out for those signs and you know, with your help and Sarah's help, I was able to catch those. And Actually, a friend of mine and Matt's, Matt, my husband, she heard about my story, my first birthing experience. And she was like, oh my gosh, I have to connect you with my doctor. She's incredible for induction. She's incredible for kind of just pushing boundaries and making it happen. And she will really get you there if this is what you want to do. And she doesn't typically just take people on this late in the pregnancy. She met with us and she was like, challenge accepted. That's great. Yeah. And she really took it head on. And she's like, I'm going to get you there. Like, there is no doubt. Like we are going to get your cervix open girl. Like, don't you worry. I will do whatever it takes, whether if I have to do that manually or not. Oh, wow. We'll get there. (laughs) I'll tell you more about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So does that mean last time your cervix didn't open?
1: Well, she just was worried because I opened to six for my first one and then I didn't make much progress. And so they did the C-section.
0: Okay. Are there things that you did in the final weeks to prepare and what were your visits like with her in the final weeks?
1: She was just, keeping a close eye on me because she knew my first experience. She knew that I had issues with my placenta the first time around. She knew what to look for. And that's really another reason we wanted to be with her. We wanted someone who was invested, who cared to look and monitor closely and who knew what to look for. So she prepared me with exercises. My doula also prepared me with exercises to do. Luckily I am... A fitness coach. So I was on a prenatal workout program. And towards the later weeks, I was opening my hips and doing a lot of mobility and stretching. I was seeing you religiously. You were opening up my hips, loosening my lower back. You were working your magic. And my OB was just really keeping a close eye on the baby's growth.
0: Did you have a plan as you got towards the end? Because you mentioned induction.
1: Mm-hmm. I really wanted to go into labor naturally. So that was the goal to have a VBAC and not be induced. I was really, really like, this is all I want. Like, please, like fingers crossed. I'm praying. I'm doing the work mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever, <laughs> whatever I need to do to make this happen. And we were headed in that direction. And my doctor was like, listen, I'm not going to let you go past 40 weeks. I'm just telling you that because it's a VBAC. And if the baby's bigger, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. So I had that reservation of like, oh man. But it turned out, I want to say at 37 weeks, my checkup with my doctor was good. And then something happened between 37 weeks and 38 weeks and the baby's stomach had dropped off the growing curve and it was only at six percent so Where was it before
0: that do you remember
1: perfect the week before the baby was perfect she was like absolutely beautiful we are doing great but she's like you're still closed you are as closed, as closed your cervix. It couldn't be more closed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay.
1: She was like, oh no. <laughs> so everything was good for them. But then when I had gone back to the next one to check to see if my cervix opened, she did plan to start doing a process where your cervix starts to shed.
0: So she wanted to but, sweep your membranes?
1: Yeah, she wanted to okay. sweep my membranes. So
0: Sorry. you must have been a little bit ripe and or dilated.
1: No, she wanted me to be. So that was that appointment. I was supposed to go there to do that, but I was completely closed. She, Ah. Yeah. And then when she did the ultrasound, she was like, whoa. And she got very serious, very fast. And she just was like, Hey, you know, I want to send you to a specialist and I want someone to take a better look at this. I want a deeper ultrasound. I need you to go see someone today, actually.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay. That sounds scary.
1: Yeah, it was scary, especially for me. Like, and trying to stay calm. I don't remember if I called you. I probably did.
0: We talked. I know. Yeah.
1: yeah, I know. I called Sarah immediately, and I was just like, "Do I need to be worried? And is this happening again? And are you free tonight? And I don't know <laughs> what's happening. Please be on call." And I went to the specialist, and I knew something was off because she kept having me go back from the fetal monitor to the ultrasound back and forth. And I said, you know, my OB said that she would like to speak with you on the phone and you could do it in front of me because, you know, she said I could be in the room while you guys talk and figure out what's going on. And she wouldn't talk to my OB in front of me. And she was like, everything looks fine. Like kind of just blowing it off a little bit, but then asking me what my plans were, what I wanted And she said, you need to get the baby out. And I was like, okay. And I said, could you wait till Monday? (laughs) <laughs> I was like, can this wait till Monday? And she was like, well, I don't know. Um, I'll talk to your doctor and see you know, what the best plan is and when her availability is. And she's like, if we could wait till Monday or Tuesday of next week, sure. And, and as my husband was working, my husband was working all weekend. He had music videos, I think had a show. I don't know. He was back to back all weekend. And I was like, all right, well, he has a busy schedule. Can this wait? Uh, like, yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, he's a musician, so it's not like yeah. he has a nine to five job that he could just take off a few days. Yeah.
1: So I was trying to work with it and because she was kind of calm, I didn't think it was that serious. And then my doctor called me the second I left the office and she's like, we need to induce you tomorrow. Oh, wow. And she's like, we need to get the baby out. She said that you have the ugliest placenta she has ever seen. and the baby is not okay so so far
0: you have two awards a (laughs) cervix that is as closed as the cervix could possibly be and the ugliest
1: placenta. can you believe she goes i'm just gonna give it to you straight this is what she said she said you have the ugliest i was like you know it was ugly
0: (laughs) (laughs) but yet she didn't want to say that in front of you
1: no she didn't but my placenta had completely calcified it was oh wow yeah, it was a thick wall all around the baby of calcium and the baby was unable to grow. It was smushing him.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, you canceled stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, Matt made do, he was just like, stop everything. Like, let's do this. We're about to have a baby. And he's just so positive when it comes to, you know, the first one and the second one. And I'm like, always looking at him, like, waiting for him to have some sort of meltdown or reaction. And he's like, yeah, we're about to be parents. I'm like, no, this is kind of scary. He's like, yeah, we're doing this. Let's go pack my bags. Oh, I
0: love that. Yeah. And I bet you're the opposite when he needs that.
1: Oh, no, I'm cool, calm, and collected with him for sure for yeah, sure so
0: you, you yeah. have each other's backs and i also have mm-hmm. your back sort of speak
1: <laughs> <laughs> you do dr b <laughs> i miss the dad jokes
0: oh <laughs> ah, well there are plenty come by anytime all right so your cervix is pretty closed your placenta is pretty ugly and it's time to get the baby out and you know it's already shifting from your plan that you mm-hmm. were going for not being induced let's take another break and find out how this turns out Welcome back to the informed pregnancy podcast. We're talking to Michelle and Michelle really wants a non-induced vaginal birth after cesarean, but there's a twist and the baby's not gaining weight and the placenta looks mighty ugly, full of calcification. And the recommendation is to get the baby out right away. So did you have like everything packed and ready to go?
1: Yeah, my type A personality comes out when I'm for for labor and delivery. (laughs) Yeah, I think I knew. And so I was nesting pretty hard like three weeks before, you know, with the car seat, the nursery, everything. I was ready. I was like, this could be too good to be true. I'm just going to get ready three weeks early.
0: (laughs) I think it's good because 37 weeks is term. Like after that, you're in the zone.
1: Yeah. You're in the zone and you're nesting hard and you're waddling everywhere. So I was ready.
0: So when you're going to the hospital and you know, you're not really dilated and you want to have a back, are you still positive about it in your mind? Are you starting to get a little nervous?
1: Um, I was totally surrendered. I had Sarah next to me, just keeping me so calm and Matt next to me. like, Hey, and she would just remind me ebb and flow, ebb and flow, really keep your mind in the game. You know, that's what we can control is your mind and the baby's okay. And you're okay. And so for me, like I was laughing and smiling and you were you. Yeah, and Sarah was great. She put her twinkle lights up for me. I put jazz on. I just was uh-huh. like, you know, I'm leaning in. I'm leaning into this experience, and I'm not going to have any resistance. I'm just going to melt into the situation.
0: Did they tell you ahead of time what the plan was for induction? How they were planning to induce you?
1: So because of my cesarean, I wasn't able to use Cytotec. At eight o'clock, we planned to induce labor. So we settled in the room, and we just got straight to it with the Pitocin.
0: But you were still not dilated at all? Zero. Wow. Okay, so Pitocin always starts at kind of a low dose. Did you feel any effect from it?
1: Yeah, like my body was responding really well to the Pitocin. And I do have my notes here from Sarah. It says, no contraction spouts seen on monitor, but nothing significant. So, an hour and a half later, we called the doctor, and they started me on the Pitocin. And then they gave me the IV fentanyl, and they placed the balloon Foley.
0: So, you were dilated enough to get the Foley in. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, the Pitocin dilated me enough to get the Foley in.
0: You're saying IV fentanyl? You yeah. didn't have an epidural?
1: No, not yet.
0: So you had the fentanyl and was the purpose of the fentanyl to just try to keep you a little bit, take the edge off the pain, help you relax?
1: No. So getting that Foley in is excruciatingly painful and my doctor is not gentle. She's going to get that in because my goal is to have a V-back and I'm not dilated very much. So they gave me the fentanyl and she manually went in there and opened it up and got that Foley in there. And so when I did that, I didn't make a peek. I breathed through it. I deep breath in, deep breath out and released. And when I finished that, the nurse in there and my doctor and Sarah were all taken back. They said they've never even seen someone not even flinch during that. And they were like, there's no doubting that I would be able to do this with no meds. I knew that I could do it. <laughs> I handled it very well, to say that the least. That sounds
0: like it. Because even though the IV pain meds help minimize oh. what what you're feeling, you could still feel stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I'd minimize is to put it lightly. Like, you still feel everything. You feel it, for sure.
0: <laughs> I can't say firsthand, but that's what I'm told. Okay, so they put in the foley, and mm-hmm. then what?
1: I just let the process begin. I listened to my jazz music. I was taking deep breaths. I was trying to rest before my body started to experience crazy contractions. Yeah. I just kind of relaxed. (laughs) Didn't think that was possible, but I started to feel contractions around midnight, like heavier contractions. And I was breathing through it all. I got out of bed. I was walking around. Sarah was massaging my back and the top of my butt, just keeping a lot of movement. The movement really helped me with the contractions as they started to pick up. And then I had etosin at 8 ml per hour. And by that time, I had contractions every two to three minutes, and they were getting more and more intense.
0: How would you describe what they
1: felt like? Waves they felt like very intense, tightening waves. I can't really describe this. It's like the worst cramps. I never really even had cramps. I could only imagine it'd be like the worst cramps you've ever felt. But for myself, it's just a wave that I needed to ride and breathe through. And what really helped me was the movement, rolling my hips side to side, we did a lot of rocking. We had the yoga ball in there. I was bouncing on the yoga ball, you know.
0: Is there someone checking you periodically or do you have a plan on, hey, we'll check you at whatever time?
1: Yeah, everything was looking great on the monitor and I was really breathing through it. There was not much for them to do. They would come in and see how much I dilated, but we were really just waiting. So when you dilate enough, the Foley just comes out. So four when that, Yeah. So when you're at four centimeters, the Foley will come out and that's like game time, right? Your contractions start to pick up. So they would come in and tug the Foley. They would tug on it a little bit. And that was actually painful.
0: <laughs> oh, more than yeah. putting it in?
1: I just was like, oh gosh, here she comes to just ruin my life. Like it was just really uncomfortable. And she does a tug and if it pulls itself out, then you're four centimeters and game time. But Around 3.42 in the morning, they came in, she tugged, and it went. <laughs> and
2: I was like, yeah, we did
1: it. are 4 centimeters. <laughs> 4 centimeters, and we all were just excited, and we clapped. We were like, we're, we're working. My body's doing what it should. It was a really happy moment. So, At that point, I got out of bed. And Sarah had me start alternating between swaying big hip circles and squats. And for every three contractions, I would do a squat and that really seemed to help. I did sideline releases for three contractions on both sides. You know, that's where you lay on your side on the bed and you hang your top leg off. For those of you who don't know what that is.
0: You're trying to open your lower back.
1: Yeah. Trying to open everything up and get my body ready. Again, I was just like breathing through all of this, just big in through my nose and then out and just trying to just focus on thinking of melting instead of tensing my body. I was trying to look at it as a release. And so I think that really helps my process and just not resisting it not like getting tense, like a workout, like in a workout, it's always like tighten your muscles and focus on each individual muscle and bring it in. And this one, I had to focus on each individual muscle and melt it out. So I think working out actually like helped with that because I have body awareness.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And also for what it's worth in tough workouts, you push your body through physical discomfort because A, you know, you're not in danger and B, there's some sort of goal that motivates you and says, I want to do this. This is worthwhile. So mm-hmm. just using your mind to push your body through discomfort is something that's not brand new to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's learning where I know I could push myself, but not in like a aggressive way, in an encouraging and an empowering way. And that's the difference. I'm not being aggressive with myself. I'm empowering myself. I'm being gentle with my body. But I'm reminding myself that I am strong and I am capable and I am these things and my body is made for this and I can do this and being present because, you know, working out, you have to be present. You can't just start thinking about other things.
0: Yeah. I'm usually thinking about what I'm going to eat when we're done. <laughs> I
1: <was> actually same.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how do things progress?
1: You know, we kept going, we kept doing more exercises. Uh, then I started saying, you know, cause I had to get an epidural. So what I was told is, you know, because I am going for a VBAC, it's the safest when you're in the hospital setting to get an epidural because if God forbid something were to happen, like my uterus did explode then they could get me into surgery right away and they wouldn't have to wait for me to be numb to be able to do any incision or surgery or procedure or whatever. So I knew at some point I'd have to get the epidural, but I was still putting it off as much as I could.
0: Okay. So (laughs) that's their comfort zone. You're saying, isn't they? they want you to have the epidural? So you knew from the beginning, you would have to get it at some point.
1: At some point. Yeah. And my thing was, you know, I know I could do it, But I don't need to be a hero. You know, I'm not going to fight them on this because I felt like it was a compromise I was willing to have in this setting because I did feel safer in the hospital setting. I know there's women that have done VBACs at home, but they were also with midwives who've done it at home before, you know, and have that's a whole different experience. And like I said, I've mentioned to you before, my comfort place isn't home to experience this. (laughs) I did actually feel safer in a hospital setting.
0: I always say you have a birth where you feel safe giving birth.
1: Yeah. And it's like, everybody's different. And for me, like, Hey, if something goes wrong, I know I'm going to have assistance quickly. And also my husband has chronic pancreatitis. So if he started to have a pancreatic attack or a flare up, I wanted to know that he could also be taken care of. So it was win-win for us both.
0: Well, I think this is one of those stories where we take an extra break because I get the sense things are about to heat up. So we'll be right back. (laughs) Hey, everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back. We're talking to Michelle. She is doing amazing. First of all, you have a little bit of IV payment, and then you have catheter, your balloon foley placed practically with a smile on your face and then you have pitocin going and people are tugging on that balloon once it's inflated to see if it'll come out no no then all of a sudden yes a round of applause and then it sounds like you're just progressing nicely going through all these different birth things movements and positions and exercises and putting along. But you know, you have to get that epidural at some point. So I wanted to clarify what you're saying. It's like, since you knew you had to get it at some point, did you just decide, okay, I'll get it now?
1: No, I i am stubborn. So I was like, oh, I'm going to push it off as far as I can. So I went through the night without it. And at, finally at 630 in the morning, I was like, okay, I'll take the epidural now. Because I had reached a certain point uh, where I was dilated, where they were like, okay, like we're getting close. So at 6.30, like that was as far as I could push it. And so around 6.30 in the morning, I finally got it.
0: 6.30 a.m. you decided to get the epidural. Do you have a recollection of where your cervix was at at that point?
1: At that point, I believe I was still at four centimeters and my amniotic sac was still intact.
0: Oh. Okay. Four centimeters at 6.30 in the morning. Is your doctor in a rush at all or happy to slow play?
1: She was coming in to check on me, I believe at eight in the morning. And they wanted me to have the epidural before she got there. And so I got the epidural and my water broke at 7.30.
0: Spontaneously.
1: Yeah, it broke at 7.30. What was that like? It was. It, it was gross. <laughs> it was, it <laughs> Where was were you? I was in the bed, which was fine. But I was like, I think my water broke. And they were like, yes, it didn't break fully. So that the nurse had to come in and fully help the situation out there. But then we changed everything and I was still like not dilating very much further. Like, and so I was getting a little worried at this point, my doctor came in and She checked me and she worked her magic down there. And she's like, take deep breaths. And she's like, I'm just going to get you to six.
0: Oh, well, so she manually helped you along.
1: Yes. And so she said, I told you I would get you there if I needed to. I just need to get you past six. I need to get you there and I need to let your body do the rest, but I'm just going to help you out. And that's another reason they wanted me to have the epidural. So (laughs) that was next level, another breathing surrendering moment for me. And
0: Oh, so with the epidural, you can still feel that happening?
1: Yes. And so that was the thing is I ended up having to request more epidural because I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to have it, I'm going to have it. (laughs) Yeah. If if we're having the epidural, I want to make sure it's working. And my doctor was like, well, you know, I have some piano lessons and I think you're going to be a while. So I'm going to go take my piano lessons. I can't really get out of them. So I'll come back around noon. We're most likely going to have a baby around noon. So she was cool about it. She was ready to let me do my process. She just wanted to make sure that my cervix was opening and she felt great that she was able to get me to six and she felt confident that a baby would be here by noon, but she wasn't rushing me, which was really incredible. I was able to just chill and breathe. And it was still so peaceful. Like when I tell you how peaceful my husband slept, like he (laughs) slept all through the night, Dr. B I didn't make a peep it was just a mood. I was vibing. I can't explain the peace that I felt. I'd never felt such calm, peace, like groundedness from myself.
0: And that's before the epidural.
1: Yeah. That was before the epidural. That was after. Like I said, we were cracking jokes. I was resting when I could. I was just like, wow, like this is happening. This is unbelievable. So then I started to feel like right after she left, I was like, I feel like a really crazy pressure. And after watching all the videos and talking, and I'm like, that means that the pressure and this pressure of everything means like it's about to happen. But she said 12 and it's only been, you know, 15 minutes.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> pressure where? Do you remember where you felt it?
1: I felt a lot of vaginal pressure. Like I was feeling like I needed to push. And yeah, I felt like I needed to push and I was laying on my side and I was like, can I have a pillow? Cause like my hips closing at this point, like my knees on, I was like, I need more pillows. I need more pillows to keep my legs open. It was like an unbearable pressure. I just wanted to push. And I was like, I think there's a baby between my legs. I was (laughs) like, there's no way that the baby's not out. This pressure is like, oh my goodness. I was like, I need the doctor to come back. You need to call her. I need need piano lessons. I know. And then Sarah was like, okay, just take a deep breath. I'm gonna have the nurse come in and she's gonna check you. And she checked me. She goes, You're at 10 centimeters. Wow. (laughs) Wow. And I was like, I told you. I told you. I knew it. And then I was like, do I close my legs? I don't want the baby just to come (laughs) out. They're like, Michelle, the baby's not going to come out. I was like, yes, it is. I can feel it. The baby is out. And they're like laughing at me. And then they called my doctor and she's like, I'm turning right around. And that was the first time I cried. And tears left my eyes because I just was so nervous that this baby was going to come before my doctor got back. Only because like that happened with my mom. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like history repeats itself.
0: With your mom um, when you were born?
1: My brother, my older brother. Um. So she kept saying, like, this baby's coming. I feel pressure. And everyone's like, it's okay. The doctor will be here. And she said, I know. And my brother was delivered in the waiting room. So I thought that that was about to be me. But I wasn't in a wait. I was being dramatic.
2: <laughs>
1: a, like, everyone in the room was fully prepared. <laughs> I was having a moment of, like, you know, oh, no. So she got there as quickly as possible. And yeah, I was 10 centimeters, 100% plus one. And I just rest. And that's when Sarah discussed pushing techniques with me and was reminding me and teaching me how to breathe. And um, 11 minutes later, there was a baby.
0: No, you pushed for 11 minutes?
1: Yeah. Like when I tell you. That there was a pressure and this baby wanted out. I pushed three times, three times, and this baby was out.
0: Wow. Wow. Yes. I mean, the whole thing's crazy. It was like slow, slow, slow. She did something. Yeah. (laughs) And And it was boom.
1: Yeah. And my doctor is great. She's so funny. She was like telling me how to push and like I wasn't doing it right. She's like, okay, stop, stop. You just need to stop. (laughs) (laughs) she's like, you need to stop. And I'm like, I can't stop. And she's like, this is how you do it. And then I did it. And she was like, oh my gosh, you're a rock star. I have not seen this before. And I was like, it was amazing she's like do you want to deliver this baby and i was like no and then she said dad do you want to deliver this and he's like hell yeah and they threw scrubs on him i stopped pushing in the middle of it they threw scrubs on him and he delivered the baby so
0: wow you delivered together
1: yeah we delivered together yeah i was like what do you mean hold on (laughs)
0: can't hold on oh my gosh that's so incredible what was the emotion when the baby came out
1: relief euphoria everything and more that I wanted to feel I felt so connected I felt so empowered I felt relief my whole body was shaking I was able to hold him and feel him and do skin to skin for an hour without him having to get taken away because I had to get sewn up. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I just held him and FaceTimed my whole family. There was like 13 people on FaceTime and we were all crying and smiling and it was just peaceful and beautiful and everything I could have hoped for
0: that's amazing I'm so happy for you
1: yeah thank you it was unbelievable like we bonded he latched on right away everything just happened the way it was meant to and Did you tear? no not no at no
0: no nope. Over... Nope.
1: Wow. no tearing so how was
0: recovery then over the next couple of weeks
1: Four days later, I went to the iHeart Awards with my husband because he won an award.
0: I saw the clip <laughs> of you. That was mind-blowing. Do you realize if you had a cesarean birth, you'd still have been in the hospital? Yeah. <laughs> and you were at an award show and you were like all dressed up. Like
1: I was cracking jokes. I was like, yeah, I left my diaper at home to be here. This is a big deal. <laughs> I was like, this is a big deal that I'm here.
0: That was incredible. That blew my mind. I saw a clip of that and I was just like, wow, like wow. Speechless. Yeah. I don't know how you had the mind to do that and the energy to do that and gosh, and where your bum went like overnight.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm telling you, those workouts. <laughs> it was other than the swelling, you know, my uterus had to take its time to go down, but I threw on some spanks and was like, you know. Don't pay attention to what's going on under the dress. I felt good. Yeah, I was all taped up and had Spanx on and a maxi pad the size of, you know, Florida. But oh. it was fine. It was great. I wore heels, too. I just powered through. I mean, if you can give birth, you could throw on some heels. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> You can handle that.
0: <laughs> that really blew my mind. Wow. Okay. And then over the next couple of weeks, good recovery?
1: Yeah. You know, I tried to be more gentle with myself versus the first time, the first time, you know, like I said, it was hectic. You know, we had the pandemic, we had a lot of things going on. I had postpartum depression. I didn't have a ton of help because, you know, lockdown, we couldn't see our family and we had a newborn baby. It was a lot. This time I had everything ready to go. And we had the support we needed. I was gentle. I recovered so much faster wow, I recovered faster. Like my body just was made for it. It bounced right back, especially because I didn't tear. It was great.
0: (laughs) Wow. Well, congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I can't thank you enough. Like I said, between the perfect doctor, the perfect chiropractor and The perfect doula. Like I felt like it was the A team. You know, Mm -hmm. I did the work and I had the support, and, you know, working out helped so much. Taking care of my body, eating clean, all of it really helped my body prepare.
0: You know, originally you inspired me with that all your clean eating and working out, but I was thinking about trying it myself. But then I realized I could just throw on some Spanx and put a dress over it and I'll be fine.
1: I would pay to see that. (laughs)
0: One weekend, one weekend. So speaking of working out, you're a fitness guru and you have the app and you also have a new program for mamas.
1: I do. I have the prenatal workout program on my move with Michelle app. It really helped get me through my pregnancy and I was really gentle with it. I didn't want to overdo it. It's not about anything other than moving and taking care of yourself. You're not supposed to focus on actually like losing weight or being toned or all these things. It's just during pregnancy, you just need to take care of yourself and prepare your body for this labor and delivery. And my program really did help with that. And I do believe it helped me pushing for 11 minutes, three pushes, I truly believe because I was, you know, fit before that really helped. And then my recovery, my body knew what to do. And it started just shrinking on its own without dieting, without crazy exercise. When I got the green light to actually work out at the six weeks mark, I got COVID. So I I still had to wait another two weeks to work out. And, you know, we're here now and I'm working on another postnatal program to share with other mamas.
0: That's great. Uh, mm-hmm. Move with Michelle app.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'll give you guys the link that you guys can enter because there's a little backslash somewhere in there. So I'll I'll send you guys the link. Okay, you we'll put there. the link.
0: And then, how can we find you online on the Webosphere?
1: Now I am at Michelle Maturo on Instagram. That's M I C H E L E M A T U R O. And it'll soon be changed once I get my username. So, if you can't find it, it's Michelle Musto. Yeah. So, that is that.
0: <laughs> M&M. All the M's mm-hmm. in your family. A lot of M's.
1: Matthew, Michelle, Midnight, and Morrissey.
0: And Matoro and Musto.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not a family of extremists by any means
0: because you're both mm, and i don't know if i said this in the first one or not but that means before you guys got together you were each "Mm," but now you're "Mm."
1: and with the kids Mm all
0: right michelle amazing to talk to you thank you so much for sharing your story we're going to visit you online at michelle with one l Maturo or eventually Michelle Mosto. And we're also over there on that Insta thing at Dr. Berlin, D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N. Mm-hmm.